I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We've got a great podcast for you guys. In segment number two, we're going to be joined by Cooper Watson. He does a great job over at Bustin' Brackets, taking a look at the game that we all know and love of basketball as we saw a crazy Elite Eight on Saturday, and the Final Four is now set. We're going to be diving into both of the Final Four matchups with him, how Miami was able to pull off the comeback against Texas, and so much more. So we're going to be chatting about that in segment number two. We unfortunately don't have any games for college basketball until Tuesday's NIT semifinals. If you're looking for my handicap of for Atlantic San Diego State and Miami versus UConn, that is up on my spreadsheet at unit one We've got you guys all covered there. I'll have full analysis all throughout the week. We'll have many guests breaking down this game, but just note that I made Florida like the slight favorite and a total of 129.5, so on numbers that I'm seeing right now, I do like the under and Florida and Lank outright on the money line. I made UConn a six-point favorite against Miami with a total of 150. Right now, seeing a total of 149, 149 half, so I like that over as of now and willing to lay up to five and a half with UConn. And I'll be diving in on the handicap of this a little bit in the final segment, and I'll be doing that all week long. So I'm going to have you covered wall to wall with the final four on this podcast throughout the week. Also, in the final segment, we've got to get you guys the news and notes that we're seeing in college basketball right now as we're sort of in transition. With regards to this college basketball season, most of the hay is in the barn with regards to actual handicapping because we are down to six games left in the season. Eight teams are still remaining fighting for a title, whether that be in the NIT or the NCAA tournament. And now the attention is going to be turning to the 2023-24 season, and it never stops with 363 D1 teams. So we'll give you a little bit of a roundup as to the news and notes from Sunday in the final segment. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNRSquare D1. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Let's take a look at the two games that we got from the Elite Eight yesterday and how these teams were able to make the Final Four. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Well, my DK Nation write-up was explaining why I like Texas, and Texas got off to a 12-point lead. They were up 12 with 10 minutes remaining, and then it did get lost in a sea of whistles. I give credit to Miami. A lot of those were fouls. There might have been some, shall we say, rather touchy calls, but 
That said, Miami, they get the job on 88-81, to the final as for Miami. They do go 28-32 of at the free throw line. Texas went 10-15. of That is of significance because Texas wins the rebound battle 25-23. to They lose the turnover battle 14-12. to Miami did force a lot of turnovers late, and the guy that was really able to get it done for this team was Jordan Miller with his 27 points, but Wuga Poplar was very impressed by him. 16 points, no turnovers, 6 boards, 4 assists, made the only 3 that he took. And Texas, they were relatively solid for 3 point range. You go 10 of 25 from the outside. Serge Barry Rice, Marcus Carr combined for 32 points. But in this one, it was just all about Miami being able to get to the free throw line. They will set themselves up well. That starting 5 was able to do a good job of driving to the basket. And Miami, they are heading to the Final Four. And so is San Diego State. The Aztecs get it done by a count of 57 to 56. Creighton goes just 2 of 17 from 3-point range. And for Creighton, 0 points off of their bench. San Diego State got 12 off of their bench. I did think that that was of significance. San Diego State plays even up on the glass. They win the turnover battle by a count of 10 to 7. And I know there was a lot of referee controversy in this one as well. And I personally am of the belief that what is a foul at minute number 1 of the game should be a foul at minute number 40 of the game. Was that last foul perhaps a foul? Yes, I do think it was, but as long as it was called in minute number one, it should be a foul there. If it wasn't called in minute number one, you don't call it there. That is personally my hot take, I guess you can say, with regards to this one, but no doubt about it. San Diego State's defense was really the big thing that was able to get it done for them, along with Lamont Butler being able to supply 18 points. Ryan Kalkbrenner did a nice job down low. 17 points, 6 boards. You had Creighton be able to do a relatively solid job punching the ball inside, but outside shooting just was not there in this one, and we did see overs in college basketball on both the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8. And if you take a look overall in terms of all tournaments, CBI, NIT, NCAA tournament over the last seven days, it has been very overwhelming. We have seen 18 overs to 10 unders in the 28 games that we have had. And favorites have went just 12 and 16 against the spread. So it's been a relatively rough run there. So that is what we've all been seeing in college basketball over the last seven days. That's what you got in the Elite Eight as well to set up an incredible Final Four. And we're going to be talking about that incredible Final Four up next as we've got joining me Cooper Watson. He does a great job over there at Bustin' Brackets. And he's going to be joining me on the flip side right here. Uncle Scott with myself, Jagger Peterson. Now, if you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Las Vegas for Cubs Guess Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops and now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And we've got a great guest joining me as Cooper Watson does amazing work over at Boston Brackets, taking a look at the game that we all know and love. And he's been doing an amazing job all year long, engaging everything that we've been getting. And I know he's got a little bit of an ACC focus, so no doubt about it. We got to talk to him about the fact that Miami gets into the Final Four in a very exciting fashion. And to be able to follow him on Twitter, it is at Cooper T. Watson all together and for Busting Brackets at Busting Brackets. That's fan It's college basketball page. And Cooper, always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Great to be back, Craig. It is great to have you, my friend. And Cooper, 
just take me through what you saw in that Miami versus Texas game because Miami down 12 points with 10 minutes remaining. They now get to the final four, and it's been an incredible run for a Miami team that has come from an ACC that I think we both agree has been the subject of some slander and maybe a little bit of it deserved, but Miami has come out of that conference and they have shown very, very well, and they've been incredible in this tournament. Miami's been awesome, and they're really fun to watch which is why there was no bad outcome with that Miami-Texas game. UConn against either one of those teams would have been a fantastic game, but I'm actually glad we get to watch Miami again. I just love watching this team play. I think the most incredible thing about them winning that game is they made two threes the whole game. They shot two for eight from three and won that game, which is just incredible. Nigel Pack ended up with 15, but at least down the stretch, last 10 minutes, didn't feel like a huge factor. In the offense, it turned into the Isaiah Wong, Jordan Miller show. Isaiah Wong started slow, but was just huge down the stretch. His shot making at the college level, there are very few guys who just have that ability to, you know, Miami's got this four out one in offense, ton of space, and they just clear out. And Isaiah Wong's got this ability to just go one on one and he elevates in the mid range and he's got really good touch with the floater and the turnaround. And he just makes some shots that are just borderline unguardable at the college level. So it's like if he's making those, Jordan Miller, you know, other than Leitner in that game against Kentucky, a classic game where Leitner had 30 or whatever, the broadcast said that Jordan Miller's the first player to shoot 100% field goal and uh, from the free throw line as well with like a certain number of attempts. So unbelievable two-man show there. And Norchad Amir staying out of foul trouble. I mean, he picked up four fouls early and three fouls you know, basically right at the start of the second half. And, you know, Jim Laranega, to his credit, a lot of coaches just get in the habit of sitting these guys to the end of the half or to the end of the game. He just had to trust his guy and put him back out there. And he was able to, you know, pretty much finish out the game playing pretty normal defense, which was big because he's their best defender. But what a game. And and the ACC, by the way, deserves some of the slander. Like, I'm not going to sit here in ACC country and act like it was the greatest year for the ACC. The league needs a lot of work, like the bot and the bottom of the league, especially whether we like it or not. The narrative around the ACC is going to follow the big brands. It's going to follow North Carolina, Duke, Louisville, Syracuse. Guess what? Louisville was horrific this year. Syracuse was not any good. Carolina had a historically bad, you know, season for a preseason number one team. Even Duke, you know, ended up having a pretty good year, but not, you know, maybe top five, top 10 all year like you would expect. So, That's going to hurt the reputation of the league. But I will say this. We kind of said a similar thing last year, and the ACC sent two teams to the Final Four, and here they've got one again. I mean, that's three of the last eight Final Four teams from the ACC. So I think it's worth evaluating that, you know, maybe the metrics don't tell the full story with the top of the ACC, that these teams at the top can really compete still. Absolutely. And when it comes down to it, I do think that it's going to be such an interesting Final Four matchup between they and UConn as Cooper Watson, who does great work at Boston Brackets, is joining me on the podcast. And Cooper, how do you think that that game is going to go? Because with Miami, my big fear with them is the defense. This, no doubt, is an awesome offense. But now you have to go up against a UConn team where 
everyone rebounds. I do think that UConn is the best team remaining in the field, a field in which does not have a single team seated one through three remaining in the NCAA tournament, which is just completely bonkers. But how do you view that matchup? Because I think that for Miami, they're going to really need to have a big game out of no Chad O'Meara because having to go up against guys like Adama Sonogo and company, that's going to be a tough task. It's going to be really tough. And Texas is a physical team, but they're not a really big team. UConn is physical and they're big. Miami's going to have to really, really focus on the defensive glass. They're going to have to keep UConn off of the offensive glass and just try to equal out the possessions. I mean, you just have to make UConn score on their first opportunity. You can't turn the ball over and you can't give them offensive rebounds. They're going to beat you if they get multiple shots. And they saw, you know, Norchad Omir is not the biggest guy. He's like 6'7". His hair makes him look like he's 6'10", but he's not. Having said that, he's an incredible athlete. He's an unbelievable defender, right? Two-time Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Year before he transferred to Miami. He's been awesome. I've said multiple times that he's the most important player on Miami. He might not be the best player, but he's definitely the most important. Can he handle Sonogo? I mean, that's a big ask physically. And I just don't think you can do it with one person. I think it's going to be Jim Laranega getting the team around saying, look, we need these guards. Like y'all are going to have to rebound here and help out Jordan Miller nor Chad Amir in the paint on the defensive glass. But I agree. I think it, it should be a fun game. It's two teams that are not scared to, you know, play kind of quickly. UConn doesn't play at a lightning fast tempo like Miami, but they will. They'll definitely get out and run. And they're really fun when they get out and run. Andre Jackson, obviously on the fast break, but I would take UConn. I just think UConn at their peak is the best team. I think we've seen that multiple times this year. You know, we saw it early in the year, little, you know, some struggles midseason, but then this last month and definitely obviously the last two weeks have been incredible. I mean, I just don't see a a real weakness with UConn unless, yeah, unless they're missing threes. But again, they just, it hasn't happened. Like, I don't see that as something that is likely to happen if that makes sense. I feel like that potentially could be a weakness, but I, I just wouldn't count on it. I would expect UConn, I don't know, uh, the lines are out somewhere, right? Dude, what is UConn favorite there? They're opening up anywhere between a five and a five and a half point favorite. Yeah, which, you know, the metrics haven't liked Miami all year. You know, in Vegas, more goes into that than just metrics. But, you know, generally we see the Vegas spreads follow whatever Ken Palm has pretty closely. <laughs> Miami was, how about this? Sub 40. They were like 43rd on Ken Palm coming into this tournament, which was just clearly off. So, you know, if you bet Miami every game, I mean, they've probably done you well. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like, and I feel like Texas ceiling is higher than Miami's, which sounds crazy because Miami just beat them. But I just feel like defensively, Texas has a level that they can go to that Miami doesn't have that could potentially, you know, keep them hanging around with UConn. I do think that that is going to be such an interesting matchup. And then there's another team from the state of Florida that's going to be in the final four. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Cooper Watson. What do you make of the Florida Atlantic versus San Diego State game? Because right now, most books have San Diego State as a one and a half point favorite. I personally set Florida Atlantic, though, as a very slight favorite myself. I do like Florida Atlantic in this matchup. San Diego State has been really good on defense, but out of all four teams that are remaining, aside from UConn, who I do think is just by far the best team remaining in the field, Florida Atlantic, I think, is the most balanced of the other three teams. And I think that that could carry them against a San Diego State team that we have seen their struggles on offense throughout the tournament. Yeah, I think the weakness for Florida Atlantic, if there is one, is 
isolation defense. And I wrote about this a little bit in my preview for the Kansas State game where I, I said, look, Florida Atlantic has been really good defensive team for the fact that they play four smaller guards and only one big man. They've held their own pretty well on the perimeter. They guard the pick and roll really well. They struggle a little bit in isolation defense. The good news is San Diego State is not (laughs) the greatest isolation offensive team in the country, right? I mean, this is the team that is just going to try to make the game ugly, and they've done a great job of it. They remind me a lot of a better version, clearly, let me preface with this, of Tennessee be my team if I'll loosely claim them but just a similar style of just trying to make the game ugly trying to win it with physicality defense and that's not a knock it's difficult to do if it weren't every team would do it but I'm with you I like the balance I like Florida Atlantic shooting I like that they have multiple that they don't have like just one guy they're relying on they have multiple obviously Janelle Davis is at times makes like pro moves he reminds me actually at, at times almost of like a Ben Matherin from Arizona last year. Just kind of the moves he throws out occasionally in the mid-range, the elevation, stuff like that. But I kind of agree with you, man. I like Florida Atlantic in that matchup. And I've, you know, been on the wrong side of San Diego State so far. But I just feel like the lack of offensive production from them has to catch up at some point. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like it has to. With San Diego State, the three-point shooting defense, it is incredible. I mean, they allowed their opponents to make five threes on, if I did the math correctly, 45 attempts the last two rounds. And I mean, even for a really good defense, that is not sustainable. So I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression there. And just how great is it for college basketball that we do have this Final Four? Because Cooper, I know that you joined me a little bit throughout the offseason talking about all these teams that hit the transfer portal, what have you. And yeah, all four of the teams that are remaining in the NCAA tournament, they have utilized the transfer portal in some form or capacity. But you can tell that all four of these teams, a lot of their core has been there for multiple years. The guards for Miami have been there, done that. And guys like Jordan Miller, along with Isaiah Wong, they've been there for multiple years for Atlantic. Really didn't pick up anyone this offseason. UConn had a Tristan Newton, but a lot of that core was there last year. And for San Diego State, they needed a number two guy in Darian Trammell, but they were built around Matt Bradley, who came in a few years ago. I do think that with the transfer portal, it certainly is to be utilized. But these guys that enter via the transfer portal and stay for multiple years, they're right now reaping all the benefits of still playing right now in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, we love to see it, right? It's there were there was this thought initially, transfer portal, NIL, all this stuff have stuff happening. And I get where the thought process came from, but it's gonna make the rich richer. These power conference programs are gonna take all the good players from mid-major programs, they're gonna buy them up with NIL. And they're, you know, going to be able to leave, not have to sit out. And it's just going to decimate the mid-majors, which clearly has not happened, right? We have two mid-majors. I mean, whether you want to consider San Diego State a mid-major or not, Mountain West, I think a lot of people probably would consider that mid-major. So, But also, I've seen some people, I hate even acknowledging this because it's Twitter and Twitter is not a good representation, but just losers on Twitter complaining <laughs> about San Diego State FAU in the Final Four. This is awesome. Okay, we had Duke, Carolina, Kansas, and Villanova in the Final Four last year. Can we have one year with FAU and San Diego State and just have fun with it? Like, it's not like the Blue Bloods and the big programs like are just gone forever and never going to be a part of college basketball again. By the way, we have UConn in the Final Four still, so we still have like a you know a modern Blue Blood. I love to see it. You know, like you said, I think players at the end of the day they want to win. 
And if you're able to sell a winning mentality and a winning program at the mid-major level, you're going to be able to recruit even in the transfer portal with that, which, you know, certainly San Diego State at least uh, did this year with Darian Trammell. Yeah, Darian Trammell has been so big for San Diego State. That was a massive addition, and it is going to be so interesting to see what we get in the Final Four. Cooper, I know you've been doing a great job of looking at college basketball all season long over there at Boston Brackets, and we're sort of in that transitionary period. We've got eight teams still playing college basketball. We've got a quadrant of teams out here in lovely Las Vegas for the NIT as well, and Cooper, I want you to let us know what's all on tap for you because I know that you've got big plans for the offseason and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Twitter is at Cooper T. Watson. And then I'm going to have at least, at a minimum, some, uh, you know, I'm going to be previewing the Miami UConn game this week in depth, get some good breakdown there. And then maybe take a look at some. NBA prospects in the final four. I, you know, I like doing some mock draft stuff. I'll definitely have a, a mock draft coming out uh, after the season is over. But might do a little peek into the final four. Not the most loaded field of NBA candidates, but there are some interesting guys there outside of just UConn. So that's what I've got at a minimum, and then maybe some other uh, stuff coming up later. And Cooper, I know that he does an amazing job taking a look at the mock draft side of basketball as well. And he is just locked into everything that we are getting in college basketball. I'm sure that he's going to be doing a great job getting set for what is going to be a great year next year. And he's doing amazing work taking a look at these final four teams in the NIT along the NCAA tournament over there at Boston Brack. It's always great to get Cooper aboard. Big thanks to him for joining me on Coast Coast Super Style, part of the Beast and Family Podcast coming up next. I'm going to give you guys my initial look at the Final Four, and on top of that, we're also going to lend to you the few player moves that we saw in college basketball on Sunday. That's on the flip side on Coast Coast Super Style. Myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beast and Family Podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here in Las Vegas for Jessica Soups with myself, Greg Eubes Peters, and now part of the Beeson family of podcasts. We are getting down to it. Not too many games left in terms of the college basketball season, and that means that the offseason, it is 
getting locked, loaded, and we are seeing more and more moves that are happening. So just a little bit of a roundup as to some of what we did see on Sunday. The point guard over at Tulsa in Anthony Pritchard, he decided that he is going to be transferring elsewhere. As he is going to be going to Central Michigan. He last season at Tulsa was able to supply the team with right around a points, three assists. So that is going to be interesting to see how he's able to fit in there. Justin Fernandez, he was a little bit of a bench warmer over at George Mason, but was able to see some minutes late in the season. He has decided that he is going to be going to Providence. He is going to be following his coach, Kim English, and that is going to be something that we are going to be seeing quite a bit of moving forward, and I do think that it is more and more of a trend here in college basketball, and we've seen quite a few teams have success with it. I do like it when a lot of these guys, they decide we're going to be sticking with the same coach. We're going to be following wherever he is going to be going, and if you take a look at Fernandez towards the back half of the season, he was putting up some relatively solid numbers. From January 14th on, he was able to get quite a few starts. He was supplying in the neighborhood of about six points, shooting from three-point range, 33%. So he was someone that was able to grow as a six-foot-five, little bit of a combo player in his first year. So we shall see how he's able to go about things. Bull Johnson, he was over at UT Rio Grande Valley this last season. He decided that he is going to be in the transfer portals. He last season was able to put up really nice numbers. He was able to supply the team with 14.5 points, 3.5 assists, came up from the junior college level, and was able to shoot 43.5% from three-point range. So, got to figure that there's going to be quite a few teams that are going to be interested in him. And then Dame Ado Kuhn, he has decided that he is going to be going from Dartmouth, and he is going to be going to Loyal Chicago. We've seen a lot of Ivy League players decide to transfer to Loyal Chicago as he was able to supply 14 points, 7 boards this last season. So we shall see how things go there. And how about if we do give you guys a little bit of picks and analysis early on for these final four games? This will be my initial thoughts as we do it. Our two bank shots. Most financial establishments close at a certain time, but not here. It is time for a side and total on every game on today's betting board bank shots. 701, 702 on the betting board. Florida Atlantic is going to be taking on San Diego State with San Diego State being a one and a half to a two point favorite and your totals between 131 and 132. And both of these games are being played out in Houston, Texas, NRG Stadium. That is the home of the Houston Texans. And I made Florida Atlantic the slight favorite. You just take a look at both of these teams and both of these defenses. They are supreme. They both rank in the top 20 in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, and I'm doing this off of the numbers prior to the Creighton game for San Diego State, so they probably rose up there. They entered into the day number three in the country in opponent's three-point shooting percentage away from home, but I do think that Florida Atlantic just a little bit more balanced because Florida Atlantic is also a top 20 team in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis, while you have just one double-figure score for San Diego State in Matt Bradley. Matt Bradley has been solid, and Darion Trammell, he was able to have some monster performances that was headlined by the 21 points that he had against Alabama that really lifted them to victory there, and I will say he had some nice buckets down the stretch for San Diego State. Lamont Butler is someone that cannot be discredited as well. 18 points in that game against Creighton overall has been able to give you between 8.5 and 9 points per game, but it is a San Diego State team that can be a little bit hot and cold with that regard, and when it comes to Florida Atlantic, it is a good by committee rebounding team. Really, both of these teams are because you're not going to have a single guy out there on the floor that gives you north of 6.6 rebounds per game. That'd be Vladislav Golden that provides that for Florida Atlantic. Their seven footer that comes in from Texas Tech. 
10.5 points out of him. He's been able to supply 1.2 blocks per contest as well, but Golden has been really a force in this NCAA tournament, but you've got Nathan Mensa, you've got some like a Kishad Johnson, you're able to throw in there as well, Jaden Legitti, they all give you between 5 and 6 rebounds per game for San Diego State, and Florida Atlantic is a little bit of a chameleon. If you play slowly, they're going to play slowly. If you play fast, they're going to play fast. We have seen this all throughout the season because in the span of two weeks, they could go up against a team in UAB that ranks in the top 20 in terms of total possessions per game, and then they could play against North Texas, who out of 363 D1 teams, they're at 363rd. San Diego State, because they did play a little bit faster out of conference, they're able to have that versatility as well. And for the San Diego State team, they've allowed 64 points or fewer in every single game this month. So I do think that this is going to be a game that's stuck in the mud. Florian Lang had a little bit of a higher scoring game against Kansas State in order to get to the spot. But prior to that, they had allowed 70 points or fewer in every one of their games, spanning from the Conference USA tournament all the way to the NCAA tournament. So semi-total at 129.5 at the current number of 131 to 132, looking under. And with San Diego State, I made them the slight underdog. I feel like Florida Atlantic should be the favorite. So looking at Florida Atlantic, all right on the money line and the over. And then when it comes to 703-704, Miami versus UConn, UConn's between a 5 to a 5.5 point favorite with your total 149 to 149.5. It does come back to D defense for me. Miami did enter into the day against Texas, 185th in the country. Turns points a lot on a per-possession basis, and even though they got the win against Texas, that probably did go even further northward. Now, what Miami is doing is they're putting together a bunch of supreme offenses. Really, the only game that they have been held below 70 in the last two or so months was that game against Drake. Past that, this team has been a complete and utter bulldozer with regards to their offense. I just don't know if that's going to be able the work against UConn. This UConn team just comes at you with six different guys, each of their top six scores that give you at least 3.8 rebounds per game. Adama Sanogo makes things a go-go. 17.5 points, 7.5 boards, shoots 34.5% from three, and as a matter of fact for UConn, scores two through four, they all shoot at least 36.8% from three par range. Tristan Newton, Jordan Hawkins, Alex Caravan, they're all able to do that. Donovan Klingon down those, able to give you 1.8 blocks per game, which does make no Chad Omir all the more important for Miami. He's been able to give the team right in the pocket about 13 points, 10 boards, a block, and a seal per contest. And when it comes to Miami, I do think that they need to get back to their roots a little bit more from last year's team that was able to generate turnovers. Because if there is an Achilles heel with UConn, they sometimes get loose with the ball. UConn, a mid-tempo team with about 12.9 turnovers per game. And Miami is not a breakneck pace team at all as well. They are about 147th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. Miami is a high-powered offense, but it's not like it's because they play at warp speed or anything anything like that. They've just been really efficient, and a lot of that is ascribed to Jim Laranaga, and I do think that that is one advantage that Miami is going to have in this game. Laranaga is coaching an NCAA Tournament Final Four now. Granted, it was with George Mason a while ago, but he's got a bit more experience than Mr. Dan Hurley, but I know that a lot of people like to say that Dan Hurley doesn't do a great job of coaching and everything like that. I believe that coaches can turn a corner. I believe that Mr. Hurley has done that with this team. I do think that UConn is going to be able to win from within UConn, a top 15 team nationally in terms of both points scored and points allowed on a per-possession basis. I do think that they've got too much balance. Five and a half is the maximum one to lay, but I'm willing to lay it in. I think that Miami is still going to get theirs on offense. That has not been the question. The question is the defense. I'm willing to go over 149 and a half and absolutely nothing more, and I'm willing to take UConn in this spot, though. It's a little bit early, and these might be a little bit subject to change, but those are my initial thoughts on these final four games. It's how I'll wrap things up for the Monday edition of Coast to Coast Soups, now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts. A big thanks to Cooper Watson. He does 
great work over at Bustin' Brackets. You join me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GNNRSQuarty1. Keep in mind, letters CM. I mean, does not matter. As per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast five, that five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the college basketball season, and that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.